0: Hey everybody. It's still sober. And I'm John Raven. Uh, if you're a sober person, hope you're staying sober. If you're not a sober person, hope you're staying sane. I never thought that that would become the catchphrase of this uh, particular endeavor, but that's here we are and there it is. I had a good weekend. It was my wife's birthday. We went to the University of Texas uh, college football game and, um, and had, a, had a good time. Had a few interesting things happen. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I got to, uh, she got to hang out with their friends and talk during the whole game. And I got to watch the game because I love football. I don't particularly like college. College football to me, um, I've said that I don't like it because I uh, I'm picking, that's, I pick up a cat. I say I don't like it because it's like, a, I tell people, well, I don't like to watch children play. Not really children. But you know what I mean. It's College football is fucking long. It's a long game. It's like four hours. It's even longer if you're trying to get out of the area <laughs> afterwards. It's a, it's, you know, it's a night game near downtown on, you know, in Austin. And it's, uh, you know, overall leaving early to go tailgate and check out different stuff and then go to the game and then get home. It's, it was eight hours. It's a long time, but, um, but, but you know what, even though I don't normally like, and I don't normally like college football because, uh, so, they just because they're not professional, so there's a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of bad defense. There's a lot of bad catches, bad throws. Just you know, it's, they're college kids, man. You know, I mean, it's, they're good, but they're not. You know, it's not the NFL. But live the experience. I mean, you know, that's 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 different. It's the same thing as when you go watch a baseball game. Uh, baseball baseball on TV is boring as shit. It's, uh, it's just, you know, although I lo- love YouTube now, like, I can watch baseball YouTube highlights. It's like, here's it highlights of the game. Even that's kind of slow. Like, they reduce a baseball game to about, you know, anywhere from five to seven minutes. Even then, you're like, going, and then what happened? Oh, look, he threw another strike. Um, but watching it live even if you're not drinking I'm sure it's I mean it's I'm sure it's fun as shit if you can drink but you have to if you, if you don't drink then it's uh, about the actual game and uh, and I do love football so um, regardless and I, I learned here's the thing that I learned One of the downsides of CBD in edible form is, which I had to take because I was going to be around people, Uh, the downside is, is it makes you kind of passive. And it keeps you passive until you aren't. It turned me into two different extremes. And let me tell you about it. So, from the jump, getting at the stadium, not all the tailgating and all the stuff before, but at the stadium, having to wait in line to get in, then having to wait in line to take the escalator to go up, I don't know, what was it, nine. 11 levels to where our seats were then having to wait in line to get up to our seats. There's a lot of people that are just in it for themselves and they will cut in front of you. They just shamelessly cut in front of you. Just get in there. They just, you know, they, it's all about them. And I witnessed a lot of it and I kept my mouth shut because it's my wife's birthday. I was not going to cause a scene, also because I had a lot of CBD in me and I was fine with it. I wasn't fine with it, but I was like, "Eh, it's whatever. I'm like, this is not my college. I don't follow a college. It's not my team. I don't have to see kickoff. I don't, I don't have to be in a rush. I did end up seeing kickoff and all that, but um, I just kind of let it go. But it was, but it was bothering me. You know, it was starting to build up a little bit, right? Just watching people. You know, not just, not just college kids who don't give a fuck, like, like old people who just because they're older than you, they think that they can, um, they're like, well, I need to, you know, I can't wait in line longer. You know, look at me, which some of them that's why I was able to let it go. is like, it's like, how are you standing? Fucking like UT alumni from 1957 and shit. So, um. But the other thing about it is is that you have people who go to college games who buy the cheapest seats available. And then they go walk around and look for huge empty spaces to sit in until they get moved. It's just, it's unbelievable. I saw it happen in front of me. That two people were in the space of a for where a group was sitting should should have been sitting and so they sat in the row behind them because they they just assumed that they you know that oh well that can't be our we're not in a aisle, aisle 40 where well, i guess we're in aisle 41 or this must be aisle 40 even though it was aisle 41 and then a family of four comes in and they're like, you guys are in our seats. And they get ignored, which kind of irrit- which irritated me, even though it was not, you know, because it's happening right in front of me. And finally, somebody who's not even involved in the situation gets involved and like, hey, they're going to go get the security and you have to deal with it. So what does your tickets actually say? And they looked at it and finally they reluctantly. Like, it's like, well, you're supposed to be sitting right there. So they get up and they move the two Fucking shitty ass ladies who are just sitting in not their seats, right? Um, just fucking selfish bitches. They move them, and I didn't realize this till later. So those two assholes go up to the row right behind me and go all the way down and find another space, and they sit down there. Now I am sitting in the middle of seven seats. That I paid for, and had transferred to two to one fr- one friend of my wife's, two to another friend of my wife, and one to another friend of my wife. So that's five, and then me and my wife, that's seven, right? But they're all go- going to get beer and food. I wanted to go straight to my seat because I was having no more of this shit. People cutting in front and all the you know the claustrophobia and everything that I was tolerating due to the CBD. So I go to sit in my seat. I'm sitting right in the middle of seven seats. Got a lot of space. All these college kids pile into this, to the uh, I'm in aisle 42, aisle 43 right behind me. All these college kids start piling in and they find out that they don't have enough space. So a few of them start getting, just sit down in front of their people on my seats and I go and I look at them and I'm like, Hey, no, no, these are for somebody. And I get almost ignored. I dismissed. Actually, I get kind of dismissed. They're like, well, we'll move when they get here. And I don't say anything. Cause I'm so, cause I'm CBD high. I'm relaxed ish, but not on the inside. This stuff's starting to build up. So they're just sitting there. And I'm like, all right, well. And for what seems like ever, you know, it's almost halfway through the, feels like it's almost halfway through the first quarter by the time I see my wife and her friends coming up. They finally have all the stuff. They've gotten food. They got me food. They're coming up and I see them. And I'm like, all right. Now it's time. They come up. There are a few aisles coming up the long stairs getting up in the stadium. And I turned to the guys and I went, all right, my people are here. It's time for you to go. So they get up and instead of leaving, they walk past me and sit down in the other seats on my right side that are also mine. And I said, no, 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 no. These are all my seats and these are all my people are coming. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to get out. And they're just kind of staring at me. And so I start going, pointing at because three guys right there. And they're with the group right behind me. And I start pointing and I'm like, fuck off. As I gesture with my thumb. I'm like, you, fuck off. You, fuck off. You, fuck right off. And then I turn around to the aisle because I've let it, I'm letting it go now. I have this has been building up for the last hour. And I'm tired of everybody thinking they can just get over on other people. It's my biggest pet peeve is people who just take advantage of others. Second biggest pet peeve is people who are pussies about it and don't stand up for themselves. <laughs> so I'm turning to everybody behind me. I'm like all of you, fuck right off. These are my seats and I'm I'm causing a scene because I can and I am because I paid for these fucking seats and finally finally one of the the college kids is like sir 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 in a very panicky voice like sir I'm, I'm, these these are our seats. I I did pay for these seats, but but we we don't have enough space because th- there are people in their seats over there. I'm like, well, make them move. Jesus Christ, seriously, you're gonna you're gonna sit in my seats because you can't. You're being a pussy. I'm like, make them move. I said, or better yet, I'm worked up now. Point them out. I'll yell at them. I'm feeling it. Who are they? You want me to yell at them? I'm going to yell. And they're like, no, 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 no. Oh, we'll do it. Okay, we'll do it. And it's those two fucking asshole bitches. Those same two chicks. And it sounds like what, college kids? No. like uh, Like a middle-aged lady and what looks like her daughter who just looks like a younger middle-aged lady. But like, you know, like an old, like a 20-something-year-old who looks old. They both just look like they suck. And they end up leaving and walking down somewhere else. And I don't know all this because the middle-aged lady had a fugly blouse. And uh, so I could see it. And I went, I recognize that blouse. And then I saw her later in another section. Like further down. Closer to the field. So I know that's not their seats. So... And then my wife and her friends come in and she's like, got you a chopped beef sandwich. And it was good. And she's like, all right. I'm like, it was a whole thing. <laughs> like, okay. Anyway, game was good. But man, don't fuck with me. But that, but that was the whole thing is that CBD kept me tolerant and quiet until... I couldn't take it anymore. And then it just all came out just BAM! I did not at all have any kind of gauge on it. But also, honestly, I smelled weakness on them. They were being very just, uh, this, this, this kind of thing. And I knew I could bully them into doing the right thing. And it's weird that you got to do that. It's weird that you got to bully somebody into actually being, having a backbone and Doing doing what you should have done twenty minutes ago. So that was uh, that was it. Do I have a? Did I learn anything? Do I need to control my emotions? I don't think so. Because ultimately, I got my seats. We got the people out. It just sucks that I got to be an asshole in order to get things done. It actually reinforces. questionable behavior on my part that I brought up in the past, but I'm just I'm just reiterating it happened again, you guys. Those of you who've listened to multiple episodes and this has happened before. It's happened again. And once again it turned out great. I got the job done once again. Because sometimes you just have to cause a scene. Because everybody's everybody's just going to sit there and just kind of go with the flow. It's like, oh, I guess this is fine. It's not fine. It's not right. It's time to be loud. Sometimes it's time to be loud. Speaking of loud, we were uh, doing the tailgating thing. We were like, going through they the ut had a um they had a concert that they were doing like a like right before the the game they had a uh, stage set up and it's right by the lbj uh, big fountain and a big area where you can sit in the grass and just kind of chill out we we're just kind of chilling out that was probably at the height of my cbd um just kind of fuzziness right i'm just kind of sitting there just kind of hanging out and i don't know who's going to play i don't know i can i can judge by the the way the stage was set up and what was going on on the stage that there was a dj being set up so it was either going to be electronic music or it was going to be rap so i didn't i was like great i knew i knew rap artist that i've never heard of this will be uh interesting and so we're sitting there and they start announcing who this random person is going to be and the guy has the this typical like old school rapper style has the longest fucking intro i've ever heard just with all his credits and he, all his nicknames, all his previous names, you know, you, you, a.k.a. Um, the shiny knife, like whatever, you know, a.k.a. the big panda. Like there's just all these different tons of probably seven different a.k.a.'s. Of his different nicknames and they also and so they're also saying talking about selling over 50 million albums and i'm like wow okay then i may have heard this person and they said one half of the greatest rap duo of all time and i'm like no that's bullshit because the greatest in my head i'm going no wrong wrong because the greatest rap duo of all time is outcast and there's no way that this is either Andre three thousand or Big Boy, so just settle down with your bullshit. And then they said, "Coming to the stage, please welcome Big Boy." And I went, "Get the fuck out of here!" And sure enough, dude, Big Boy came out. He did Outcast songs? He did his solo stuff, but he also did like his parts in Outcast songs, like "Bombs Over Baghdad" and. Uh, you know Rosa Parks and um, dude, it was just the best. That was my favorite part of the whole night. I like that better than the game, and not just because of the seat uh, filling assholes. It just, it just was awesome. It was, it was great. And I looked around, and like the younger people and everybody drinking in the like beer garden areas and everything in the front. There's all them. But all the families were up on the hill and all the older people like sitting on up in the hill. We were the ones singing along. I mean, I'm sure they, that they knew some of the words for a couple of the songs, some of the young people. But, I mean, you're talking about before their time. They're like trying to hype them up. And I'm like, they don't fucking know. When this song came out, they were two. They were two years old. If they were even born, depending on who they are. But, like, It was great watching just old people just singing along. (laughs) Sorry, Miss Jackson. Like they just, yeah, it just, it it was great. Fucking fantastic. One of my uh, wife's friends, who's uh, who we we saw there, was um, um, actually somebody who listens to the podcast mentioned. Hey, you might want to. You should talk about uh, Ru- the Russell Brand thing. Um, and I hadn't heard about it. I had seen a little blurb of it, but I it hadn't really occurred to me to, to talk about it. But I've been sitting there thinking about it for a while, which is essentially he's been, you know, there's been a lot of accusations that have come up, uh, you know, sexual assault, sexual misconduct, just abusive behavior. Now, I don't like Russell Brand. Do not like him at all. I know there's a lot of people who like him who also like Rogan's podcast. There's a lot of crossover there, which is weird to me because Rogan interviews people and listens to them. My wife made a good point about it, about how... Rogan's basically a fucking meathead. You know, and so and so when he's curious about something, he's gonna ask questions that people who know nothing about would ask, like, wow, what was that what is that? What is that? So what was that like? What does that mean? When did that happen? Like he like just basic and he does it so well, but his curiosity, I mean he's fucking great at it. And you get a lot, you know. The best two best episodes I've seen, seen slash heard uh, of Rogan's podcast is with uh, with Chuck Polanek was on two different two different times, and Chuck's never sat down with anybody and talked for two to three hours. So it's just like wow, you know, he's a fascinating guy, and you can just see like Joe's just like wow say what now now what happened you know just just he's all in that's great Uh, russell brand on the other hand talks at people because he's unfortunately intelligent and you can be too smart i've talked about it before about how recovery doesn't work for you if you're too smart like aa you're too smart for it you overthink things You know, if you think you have it figured out, you have to convince yourself that it works in order for it to work. You can, you can be, you can, you know, you can overthink things too much. And so the problem with Russell besides the fact that he's kind of obnoxious is he talks at people, anybody who tries to interview him or talk to him, you may notice he never really listens to what people say. He waits for his turn to speak. Sometimes, sometimes he'll talk over him. He'll just immediately jump right in and he just, and he talks at people. He doesn't listen. And I hate that. There's no conversation. It's very one-sided. So I, most of his podcast episodes are him talking at the camera and he's a know-it-all and he doesn't know it all. And he takes things that he has surmised as fact, and he just keeps talking. So he's annoying. That's fine. The irony is, I liked him a lot better when he was on drugs. (laughs) He was more entertaining. But unfortunately, when he was fucked up, he did a lot of shit. Allegedly. According to the accusers. And that's what I wanted to bring up. That's what I wanted to, to, to ponder. Because... He is in recovery now. That was the one thing that I liked about him was he was a very vocal representative of recovery and sobriety. But it always I always find it fascinating, though, that how people act once they get over the hump. When you're early, you know, sober, early at the beginning, and you start getting into the uh, into the swing of things, and you've rebuilt your life, and you've rebuilt uh, better habits, new um, new choices, and new new lifestyle, yeah, that kind of thing. When you're when you're when you're going, and the thing about it is, is that because because Russell's an AA guy, I'm not. I think, I think it's fine, but I've always had a problem with the eighth step and ninth step, which is the whole, you know, doing a list of people that you've wronged and, you know, and then the next step is to, you know, make amends, you know, as long as it doesn't fuck things up. And the thing is, it, and I've always found that kind of weird, uh, those steps to be, it seems very self-serving. Where you're apologizing to people and trying to make things better so that you can check them off a list it feels insincere and self-serving that my idea my thing is is that the best way you know that you don't make amends to people who don't who have cut you out and don't want to have anything to do with you anymore you already burned that bridge you don't go to them and go, I've changed. No, they'll come to you if there's still some love there and they want to be a part of your life. And then at that point, you should have in within you the urge to make things better and to make things regain their trust and to earn it back and to apologize and to get, you know, other people who are still in your life. You know, you getting better and being a better person because they care about you. They love that. And then, you know, you can always bring up an apology when it when it when it feels right and you do it because you want to repair a relationship. You don't do it as a checklist. You don't do it because uh, I kind of need to. So it's so it's interesting to me as somebody who is an AA person and have gone through their mental check checklist of everything that they've done shittily, that even if, I think it's four different women, even if it's not, you know, he's, you know, even if you're not, uh, let's say it's not sexual assault. Let's say it's, it's not as bad. But it's just you know, let's say it's just you know abuse, you know, you know just a whole just a little old abuse, just a little little uh, you know, you know uh, it's uh, it's what happens when I get crazy on the cocaine, um, you know just a little, little bit abuse. Uh, no, but that's seriously. What if it's just? But you'd think that that would have made the list. Like what I'm saying is. What if it's shitty things that you've done that you want to make amends for? You would think that that would make the list. And he's the one doing his his list. Did he put this? Did he put any of those women on the list or any of them on there? Did he make amends? Did he think it's probably a bad idea for me to contact those people? Could be. But I wonder what you do if you're in recovery and you want to make amends, but you need to make amends for things that are against the law. What then? That's interesting to me. Like, like I did a lot of shoplifting for my drug habit. But I didn't feel the urge to make amends to a grocery store chain. Um, I guess, in a way, my my way of making amends is to keep shopping there and spending lots of money. They seem to be doing fine. HEB is the shit. You know, that's not a person. They don't know. They don't know I was a drug addict. Although some of the people working there kind of figured it out. They're like, that guy looks shady. Um, he definitely needs to shave, maybe shower, um, maybe lay off the heroin, but, uh, I don't know what happens then. That's an interesting thing. It would seem to me that the best way to make amends would be accept what you've done and if it does lead to jail time I mean you know you reap what you sow it's weird to me it's it's weird to me to only kind of do do things half-assed like I don't know I also can't put myself in a situation where I would, you know, it's like, what would, well, if I had sexually assaulted a woman, that's just, that's, that's, that's fucking weird to me because that seems like a bigger problem. You can't blame that on drugs. That seems tied to something deeper that may not be uh, fixed just because you're not doing drugs anymore. That seems like something that you would have to actually, you know, you might want to work on. But I think it just, it it seems, it seems very selective is what I'm getting at. It seems like they're selectively making amends. And I've seen people do that. You know, it's like, you know, the guy's been a shitty person. I thought that, uh, you know, you may need to be... Th- you're kind of cherry picking, like the easy ones. You kinda of wanna ignore the fact that you devastated other people's lives. And it's like if they were incidental people, it's like, oh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. You know, that may that may hurt my you know, cut into my profits. That may uh you know i've got a i'm on a nice roll here look at, look what i've built i can't uh, i can't risk that by doing the right thing huh i don't know it's just it's just something to think about like i don't know what uh you know they are just accusations we don't know what the truth is but one thing that i do know is is that if you you know You have to at least, what I, I don't know what's true and what's not in the in that scenario. But when you have an apology that doesn't seem sincere, just for the way you acted in the past, like to really be sincere about, you know, hey, this is who that's who I was, and I'm not like that person anyway anymore, you know, and this is who I am now. There should still be some sincerity there and you shouldn't use that as an opportunity to go, it's a conspiracy. So that's, you know, seems very sensationalist to me uh, and not authentic. So I will not, you know, like I've said before, just because you get sober doesn't make you a good person. Clearly. (laughs) stillsoberpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments that are positive to neutral. We will see you next week. Appreciate it, you guys. Thanks. Later.